Hi friends, it's Margo. I love and miss you all so, so, so much. And I just encourage you to keep going and I can't wait until we can all be back together. Hey guys, we love you and we miss you. Uh, we've also been so encouraged to see everybody still keep community and, and meet online. And we want to encourage you to continue doing that during the summer with small groups and such. Uh, hey church fam, I cannot wait to see everybody in person. I'm so thankful for all of the people behind doing our services every week. Um, and I'm thankful for, for you guys in this crazy time. Love you guys. Hey guys, miss you all. Can't wait to see you again. We love you and we miss you and we hope to see you soon. Hi church family. We miss y'all so much and I wanted to say that I'm thankful how everyone's been still keeping in touch and reaching out to each other so that we're still in community even though we can't be physically together. Yeah, and I really miss our times uh, drinking coffee and just chatting before church. Um, can't wait to do that with you guys soon, but I hope that God's really been um, working in your lives during this time and that you've really been able to feel and see his presence and I'm overall just really thankful for this community. Hey, uh, while it is the case that most of human society has really slowed down, I can confirm that plants are still growing. So that's good news. Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. It's the whole Freemason clan. We miss you guys a lot. It's so weird not seeing y'all in person for such a long time. Yes. Um, yeah, I guess not sure how long this will all be, but we miss y'all a lot. Trying to grow weary of the phone calls and the video calls, it's still worth it to try to hang out in some way and keep up with each other. Yeah, but, for sure. Uh, miss you guys. Hope to see y'all in person soon. Hey, Cam. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, sure do miss you. Hope you guys are well. Love you very much and hope to see you in person soon. Bye. Hey, guys. This the Kiwis here. Hey guys, uh, we love y'all and miss y'all and hope that um, you're doing well. One way that we've been encouraged during this time is just to see the ways that um, people have served each other and been there for each other and trying to stay connected. And so we just encourage you to keep on being creative and thinking of ways to do that. Yeah, one other thing that uh, we've been doing is that we um, have a baked goods and cook some dishes and we just drop them off like uh, DoorDash style um, and that's one thing that um, we really like doing it so yeah um, just love y'all again hope you're doing well yeah love y'all as well hello church family we just wanted to say that we really missed you and we can't wait to see you Blanca says hello and she misses y'all too hey guys we just wanted to tell you what an encouragement you've been to us we appreciate the way that you've given so that the needs of people around us can be met. We appreciate the way that you've been at Zoom Church and you've been at Small Group, and that's been a really big encouragement. And we just want to uh, encourage you with a scripture from Joshua 1.9 when the Lord was commanding the Israelites, Be strong and courageous, do not be discouraged, and do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We love you. We love you. Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody, uh, and welcome back uh, to what will be um, probably our last month of Zoom Church, starting on July 1st. Well, actually, I don't know what day that is, July something. Starting on July 5th, we'll be back together at the uh, GDAC 
Uh, we can only do 25% capacity, so uh, we will have kind of a cap at about 50, which I think is, is plenty big for over the summer. So if you show up late, we may very much turn you away uh, and uh, have to watch the live recording or something like that. Maybe you can hang out in your car and we can have shifts, 18, B team kind of stuff. I don't really know. We'll figure it out. Uh, but the GDAX got back to us and said we can start meeting in July. And so we will, uh, we will do that. In the meantime, we are going to, uh, to start our small groups the second week in June. And so the small groups will be slightly different uh, as uh, Ryan and I will take over Kristen and Ryan's uh, small group. And uh, Chelsea will um, help lead with Grant uh, for Emily while she has her baby. And so, yeah, we're going to be doing that. We're going to do a sermon series over the summer. Uh, on hope and tragedy uh, from Isaiah, talking about um, COVID, among other things, tragedies, things like that, and how to have uh, you know, learn from uh, the prophets, particularly Isaiah, on uh, on how to have hope during those times. So that will be that. We'll start that the second week in June. Uh, college students, uh, you can pretty much just join a group um, once we give you uh, sort of the group where we want you to be. Hey, Josh, can you mute um, something or someone? Because it can't, it's not me. I don't know what's happening. I got it, yeah. Okay. Um, and so uh, we will be uh, starting those groups the second week of June. And we have a sign-up right now for you. And the options pretty much are Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And this is not for any of you who obviously are in small groups already. Uh, but uh, those of you who are college students, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, one of the groups will be following along with the sermon series, Hope and Tragedy. The other one will be doing reading scripture aloud. So pick which one you want to be in. And uh, we'll try to coordinate the best we can, adding people so the groups aren't too massive or anything like that. Okay. So that signups are already being passed around, Facebook online, that kind of stuff. So we, we be sure to sign up for that pretty quickly so we can start putting people in groups. And uh, that's, again, just for those of you who are already a small group. Pass the word around for people who are here so they can know as well. And uh, yeah, that's going to be that. So we're kind of continuing on uh, with the, the sort of practical application of our sermon series from last semester on emotions. We talked about work last week. It was a really great discussion. Today, we're going to talk about worship and emotions. Hopefully, you got a chance to listen to the 45-minute um, uh, podcast for the liturgist on worship part one. I hope that, uh, that you really got something out of that and liked it. We'll talk about that in a moment. If you didn't, then you can try to follow along best you can and then listen to it. Uh, later on next week we'll be doing uh awe you know our alternate worship experience and that'll be kind of wrapping up our emotions um and work and in worship kind of in in one sort of worshipful uh, opportunity we'll do our four things like we always do singing lament celebration and exploratory and then we'll uh, probably take a week off and then get going in our new sermon series in uh june june not june june yeah, there we go. Okay, so I'm not going to put the questions up because they're pretty simple. And, um, I, you know, when we when I put the questions out on the screen share, everyone disappears. So I try not to, to do that. Um, but I'll get us going with uh, a prayer. And then we'll, we'll talk through some of these questions about worship. Lord, thank you uh, that we get the privilege and opportunity to still meet and uh, be together in a variety of ways. I pray that as our uh, life sort of uh, crawls back to normal that you 
uh, would um, just give us a flexibility uh, to transition, it would give us hope uh, to really uh, care deeply about the people who've been affected, maybe more than we have, and that we would look for ways to uh, just minister to them and to stay close to you, and that we'd be proactive about that. Uh, pray for uh, just our emotional growth and development, that you would continue to lead us to the path that you want us, that we would embrace uh, both negative and positive emotions and and learn to be like you and how we think about them and, and how we grow. Um, thank you now uh, for your spirit and give us guidance on what it looks like to really worship you uh, in a way that's pleasing, in a way that really changes us and helps us understand who you are. Amen. All right. So, yeah, uh, the first part of that was just sort of what does singing do to the brain? Uh, throw a little bit of a scientific kind of aspect to that. So what uh, what did you get from, from that, that part? What does singing do to the brain? Well, I listened to about half of it. I think I thought it was only 20 minutes. So I did listen to the part, though, where it talked about the brain. And um, what I personally got out of it is the thought of it really kind of helps us move beyond self to, um, you know, family and then to community. And I definitely feel that way when I'm in worship. And it's one of the biggest things I miss because I can, I, I love to look around at other people and, you know, it definitely engages my, my mind and just thinking about what a great community we have and how much God loves us and how great he is and not about my own little sphere of, of the world. So, um, I like that. Yeah. They talk about how it's funny that so many of us have preferences in regard to worship when in reality, just coming together and singing, whether we realize it or not, uh, activates a part of our brain, uh, that, uh, you know, they call it transcendence. I think for most of us, whether that part is activated or not, if you're like me, it certainly doesn't feel like it's being activated. I'm sitting and singing through some of the same songs, whether I like them or not, whatever style it is, um, I tend to uh, be overly critical, I think, of a lot of, uh, of worship styles, including our own. And uh, it's interesting just to think through that idea that uh, there's something going on and we have to more like uh, stop it from going on when we uh, don't realize the significance of it rather than actually the default is embracing it and, and letting our brains just think, man, this is pretty cool. People are just singing and we're all singing and we're doing it together. Um, so yeah, I like that idea a lot. Anybody else on the singing in the brain? You guys are worrying me. I wonder how many of you listen to this thing. Maybe nobody. I thought it was cool it talking about like there's something really neat that happens to us when we're in like a room of people and worshiping and how it requires participation. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was really cool of about that. I don't remember fully, like I, I listened to it, but it was just kind of neat. Um what happens when we're all together as a body worshiping together. There's something really special that happens in our brain and stuff like that. So that was neat. I think it's also interesting that they talk about how many areas of the brain like lit up and were engaged when you're singing and listening to music. And I, I don't know enough about brains, but I don't know that there's anything else that we can do that really does that and engages so many parts. 
Yeah, I think it was cool, um, kind of along that same line that like it it lights up so many areas of the brain, just music in itself. But then you you put it like you you're in a group with all of this happening, and then I don't know it it's like the brain just goes even more crazy essentially. And I just love that, like in a group setting, it, it heightens it that much. Uh, and then he goes in to talk about how it differs in like worship music, uh, like at, at a worship concert, you know, um, how the interactions are different than maybe at like some secular concerts and, um, how it just becomes really, I don't know, just this communal group, activity you know where you're all participatory and it's not just the band up front and so that was really cool i think i've experienced that i i think like we it's kind of cool because we've always had a theological um and also i guess logistical reason to value like community worship like one it makes it to where we can all worship at the same time together it's like pretty nice and efficient and also just the like theological and just following in the in the example we have of the early church so it makes sense because we're like okay this is what we're supposed to do but it's really cool to see then that not only is it is it that but then in our each of our brains when it is being done right and we're engaging that there's something really special happening too so it's not just special in the sense that it's what christians do or something but it's special that it actually affects us in a different way than if i was just alone in a room listening to a song or singing a song and i think we all like knew that to be true in some way but we wouldn't have had the science at all just to to know that but it's cool to to know that's that is true it sets it apart from from me just jamming out on my own or something i I think something else i liked uh was him talking about the different times that he's really experienced like deep worship and they're like symphonies or jazz and like different things that aren't specifically uh, like Christian worship. And I think I had never connected that because I feel those things when I listen to music, I feel awe and like, when you're about to cry and you're like, I don't even know, this music doesn't even have lyrics. Um, But I never connected that, that that's like worship because it's awe. and I think it's Ronnie that says like all roads that lead to awe lead to worship or to God. I don't remember the whole thing. I'm butchering that, but I just never made that connection before. I thought that was cool. Yeah. On that note, it was just kind of like really cool how he compared the different uh, denominations and how they worship and like just how different those are and like how they experience that transcendence in different. I accidentally muted myself. <laughs> through like the different uh ways that they worship um whether that's like acapella or like you know like some people can feel like that they like worship better or something and experience more transcendence in a different way but it's like kind of like that's not the point um so i was just i like that that he said that yeah we'll get into this on the third question some but uh i think it reminds us just how important it is that we sing and sing like loud enough for other people to hear us when we're together because the singing itself is an act of, of worship and it's very unsettling to be around 
a group like ours and people are just sort of quiet or sort of half singing. And I think we all do it because sometimes we, it's mental and it's rote and traditional and maybe it's not our favorite, um, most, uh, you know, on, uh, inducing kind of activity. And yet there's something really just about singing and singing loudly and letting people hear you and you hear them. It's really pretty great. I think one of my favorites, uh, things we do at church is the singing group in the awe, just like the exploratory group is always nearby. And so we just get to hear them singing up in the, uh, the upstairs. And I'd rather just hear other people say, <laughs> I don't particularly like this thing, um, but I do like that because uh, it's just so much louder and you can kind of hear it. So, um, all right, let's move on. Just uh, two more kind of difficult questions here. What is and, and isn't authentic uh, worship? They talk about the idea, and this really relates to the second one, does worship happen to you or do you choose to, or when does it happen to you and when do you choose to? Um, but authentic and inauthentic worship, and they kind of address the idea that um, authenticity doesn't have to be, I'm responding in the way that I feel. You can have kind of a counter narrative that's just authentic, that's just as authentic, that says, you know, I don't feel this way, but I can see how uh, maybe others are, and I can see other times I am, or I can even challenge what I feel in this moment. And, uh, and knowing that feelings can change sort of on a dime, actually be worshiping by, uh, you know, sort of recognizing I'm lacking in this, this sort of area or emotion and actually, you know, head in that direction or that goal. So is and isn't authentic worship. What are your thoughts on that? Part of what you were saying made me remember that oftentimes I think I'm led to authentic worship when I see the Lord working in my friends' lives. Even if I, like you said, sometimes you don't feel like, I don't know, like you're interacting with God or that he's working in your life. But when you see the evidence of God working in other people's lives, it leads me to worship and it pulls me out of my emotions and i know it's not it doesn't have to do with music necessarily but i tend to worship a lot when i see the lord working elsewhere i don't know why it's hard to recognize in your own life or my own life i'm not going to place it on anyone else but um it seems like i can only recognize it kind of after the fact but in in people's lives when it's ongoing around me and i see the lord do some cool things i'm led to worship immediately and also randomly when i learn new things about how how the world works i'm led to worship like i'm i I get a really unique response of like whoa the lord is freaking cool for doing some of this stuff like there's some tv shows there's one called cooked i think you should watch and you will straight up get on your knees and worship (laughs) if you watch that show if you like food at all but anyway i think that is just as authentic as people getting together and singing and you know, on a Sunday morning, I think that's, that, that is authentic worship. I, you know, inauthentic worship, like Chris Tomlin and some, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We were talking, Josh, Josh and I were joking about that. No, I I can't, I can't really label inauthentic worship unless you, I don't know, whatever, but that is authentic worship for me just as much as singing with you guys on a Sunday morning. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the points that they make is that transcendence can lead us to worship for sure, but 
it can also be a pretty selfish uh, endeavor. If we just feel awe or reverence towards something and something is transcendent, sometimes we, we don't. Um, it's like, you know, coming across a sign and then just enjoying the sign, but not using the sign to go into the direction that it's obviously leading us. Um, you know, if we don't ultimately, uh, I think, pursue and sort of a, a moment to understand who God is or think about him, uh, we're just overcome with emotion and, and the transcendence is just sort of for our benefit. Um, and I think that's where things get harder. Whenever we do the Elmer Gantry class, when everyone presents, uh, it's the apprentice, one of the last apprentice classes, and everybody presents their, um, their kind of creative piece. It's tough to, it's just, it's great. They're all great and they're, they're pleasant and it's entertaining, but also like really deep. But if those emotions, uh, you know, be overwhelming and they don't go ultimately come back to me realizing something about God or remembering him or taking a moment to just make a statement about, you know, look at what, what God can do, the spirit can do when, um, you know, you sort of surrender to him and let him create kind of within you. You get that, you get that aspect. So I think that's important. You know, authentic worship is often worship for the sake of a feeling uh, that sort of we can keep. Uh, it doesn't really point us anywhere uh, outside of ourselves. Other authentic and inauthentic worship? I feel like um, authentic worship for me, either like watching it happen as a uh, community or just my own attitude when I'm participating in it. I feel like I just, one ingredient that I feel like has to be there is humility. Um, and the reason that has been so obvious to me is because I can be so opinionated about stuff and be picky about, you know, a song choice or something like that. And I'm not even like a musician. So it's kind of like coming out of nowhere. I don't have any, I don't care any cards that make me qualified to do that, but it's just something that gets in the way of me being able to actually worship. And I think it's part of just the like struggle that we have as humans to like get ourselves out of the way. And like they talked about in, in the podcast, thinking more about our whole community and not ourselves. And then even larger to thinking about God, I feel like we don't take that first step of stop thinking about ourselves for a second. Then we don't get further. Um, and that's, I think whenever I don't have an authentic worship experience, when I never get to the point of stopping thinking about myself. Um, and I don't know, I think that's a common thread. And then sometimes whenever I, I feel like in general, a worship setting isn't great is that there's some level of lack of humility, potentially on the, on the part of the worship pastor, they're in a tough position, but like there's definitely a culture, I think in our country of like they talked about in the podcast of cool worship pastor, hip kind of pop star thing i think that um can really like get the whole experience of the community worship experience off on the wrong foot it's supposed to be a show that's different but i feel like for it to be like a everybody participating kind of thing um if the if the main uh first foot first step forward is a, like lack of humility one i kind of feel like that is at least for me gonna really not lead it into a worshipful experience where I'm going to be thinking about self or thinking about somebody else rather than thinking about all of us and thinking about God. Um, so that's one thing that, that I thought about when listening to the podcast. Yeah. And I talk about how, when you kind of 
you're a new Christian, uh, everything seems to be pretty exciting. And, uh, and, you know, you, you just sort of see so much uh, in the kind of worship experience about God and, and what's going on. But then as you kind of grow, you sort of realize, wait a second, this isn't the most important thing, singing. The most important thing is that, that you know, kind of end of all this is actually loving other people and taking care of people. And it almost makes worship more difficult because then you're going and you see singing and some of these things is less important. Like, why am I not just going out and, you know, uh, being good to people and doing what's best for them? But I think that's kind of a, uh, a sort of means to an end argument, because if we can't in our worship of God, um, you know, sort of see the, the value of other people and, and, and more importantly, the character of God that leads us to loving other people, then we're not going to just go out and love other people. It's, it's that worship of actually seeing God, understanding him, that's going to fuel uh, our ability to love other people. I loved the story about the, I've been using it a lot, but the guy who, you know, I guess was, I don't know if he was in worship uh, singing kind of thing or just on his own, but he had been wronged pretty badly by a friend. And um, it was in that moment that he started kind of thinking about it and almost a little bit of pitying himself that God, uh, he felt God, you know, kind of say to him, yeah, now you know how I feel by uh, all kinds of people who have wronged me uh, for no reason. He felt like in that moment of really sort of what Josh was saying, humbling himself, seeing someone else and what he had done was a really worshipful experience um, because he got to sense how God must feel on a very, very small scale and was able to, in that moment, to forgive uh, that person. And I thought that was just pretty powerful. Um, as a reminder of how not only how often worship is available to us, um, but how even in sometimes our negative kind of emotions or our self pity, uh, we can uh, we can really kind of connect with how God you know use the world and worship in that way. Something I thought about was the uh, story from Luke. I just looked it up because I couldn't remember what it where it was in the Bible but it's like the two men that go to the temple and one is basically saying like, thank, thank you God that I don't have all of this sin in my life. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing these things to people. Uh, you know, I'm not doing evil. I'm not a tax collector or whatever. And then the other man who was a tax collector is just humbly saying like, God, I'm a sinner and I need you to have mercy on me. Um, and how that's kind of, an element of the difference between authentic and inauthentic worship is, am I um, looking honestly at myself and my own sin and my own like shortcomings and, and need for grace? Or am I thankful that I'm, am I thankful that I'm not like someone that I see as, as worse than me or you know, am I, am I looking, am I going in with like pride or am I going in with humility? And I think it's obvious to say like, oh, you should go in with humility, but it's not so obvious to know, like, what is that really? Am I actually being humble or am I still kind of secretly glad I don't struggle with some of the things that I, I know other people struggle with, you know, am I, am I still sort of putting myself up on a little bit of a pedestal because I have certain things together and I'm thankful to God that I don't have those struggles. Like what kind of worship is that? I don't really know if that's a full worship or a fully authentic worship experience, but. Yeah. I think one of the things they mentioned is that, you know, encountering the divine is always going to mess with us on some level. 
And it reminds me of what Proven, uh, Ian Proven talks about with the Old Testament, that we've sort of rendered the Old Testament useless and it doesn't have a bite anymore. We've kind of uh, argued away all of the passages that, uh, that would normally uh, bite back. And I think that worship does that uh, or should for us is it sort of when we encounter God, just like people encounter God in the scripture, their, their first thought is often their own sinfulness. And, uh, and being able to allow that stuff to bite. It's kind of like why the parables are so um, important uh, and why the, uh, even a lot of really good art and kind of mystery, it's not so obvious and plain and it's not just there to consume. It kind of messes with you a little bit, even if that's just to make you think or um, to make you reflect or to question uh, that's, you know, good, I think, uh, art and, and, and stuff like that helps us, it, it, you know, again, it messes with you a little bit, not messes with you in sort of just a negative way, but just sort of, you know, jolts you out of your reality into something else versus I think some people that can easily go to church and worship songs and, oh, that was pleasant. But is that really worship when it's just sort of pleasant? Um, I don't know. I, I, I wonder about that. So but I did like that point. Um, I was thinking about um, Isaiah 58, where they're talking about what is a true fast. And, um, you know, it's saying the kind of fasting I have chosen is to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, feed the hungry, to help the poor wanderer, to give shelter and things like that. So I just wanted to add on to what some other people have said about like worship leading us to love other people. Like it's not just a personal experience. And I do think a lot of it has to do with, you know, humility and heart posture. And sometimes we do it when we don't feel like it. And I think there's some value there, but in terms of authenticity versus inauthenticity, I think it's really helpful to let scripture inform that. Um, and you know, I was also thinking about like Paul saying in Ephesians five, like be filled with the spirit and sing songs of hymns and praise. <laughs> and even though I technically like, I just really don't like a lot of like pop Christian music. I will find myself like randomly singing those songs, like by myself as I'm going about my day. And I'll think I'm like, man, I think I'm filled with the spirit. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I don't think it's spontaneous necessarily, or that it's just one one different thing but yeah I think it involves it does involve community it does involve humility and it does involve uh an open heart to like being willing to be obedient to what God is asking you to do whether that's feeling embarrassed about singing with your friends on Sundays or um I don't know serving the people around you and I also think about like you know inside of the cup, outside of the cup stuff, when it comes to the Pharisees, um, it's like, okay, am I doing this because I'm supposed to, or I should, or, okay, no, like my heart, I'm really submitting my heart to God and like letting him change that. And I'm willing to like do these things that are uncomfortable for the sake of the body. So there's just some thoughts that I had there. It seems to be in continuity with what everyone see. I mean, it was a little late, but yeah, there's some continuity. I mean, we kind of talked about that two things back so Brad, you look like you're sitting on a fake couch like your body looks so small <laughs> against the couch <laughs> much better yeah all right the last one uh and i think this one is 
challenging, but you know, when does worship sort of happen to you and when do you choose to worship? I think my understanding of this, or at least it played out in my life, is that both of these aspects should be true of how we worship. There are some things that just lead us into uh, uh, that kind of transcendence or awe. And then there are times when we do have to choose. But if our worship becomes too heavily, uh, I think, um, you know, on one of those sides, you know, when we choose to worship only and nothing really causes us to worship, then I think we can get into a, a sort of a, you know, fake it till you make it, it's my duty, um, and fail to see some of the things around that are just really great and beautiful and that God, you know, God's in them. We've got to almost get into a particular place just to be able to choose to do it. And then if we're all worship happens to me, again, it's like a, it can be sort of the other side of that, that, you know, not, sort of nothing really, I can never really choose to. It's just I sort of it randomly happens. This experience, that experience, and sometimes can be overly emotional where I'm defining worship in ways that are like, you know, deep transcendence. And, um, you know, and again, it can be the environment that matters uh, or I'm really picky when it comes to, you know, how things um, cause me to worship. So yeah, when does worship happen to you and when do you choose to worship? And maybe just some general thoughts on that. I've noticed for me um, a lot more in this season with like quarantine and having to stay at home and be away from people that a lot more of like worship happening to me happens outside rather than like in my own like environment. Like I can choose to like be worshipful, but when I'm outside, I'm just kind of like, oh my goodness, like creation is beautiful. And so that's just something I've noticed. Brad, do you, are you asking like what are circumstances in which we choose to worship versus when it happens to us? Or are you asking like, what does that experience feel like? And what are the differences between those experiences? Probably uh, both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think the first one is probably the one the question's getting at, but just giving at the idea of kind of a self um, awareness assessment of how much does my worship sort of just happen to me and how much do I choose it? And I'm, I'm kind of one of the only other only uh, that kind of thing. Do I have a decent balance of that? Because worship is a spiritual discipline uh, just as much as, uh, well, actually it's a spiritual virtue um, just as much as it is, you know, sort of a common reaction uh, for us as humans. This question a little, little too heady. No, I think it's okay. I just, uh, I think, whatever. I don't know why I'm saying anything. Yeah, I guess I think with the whole um, sheltering in place that there's been a real opportunity to slow down and, you know, uh, sit outside or do things that normally I would rarely ever do, you know, walk in the neighborhood. Um, and so, you know, I remember one morning feeling just kind of like, I am so tired of this. I just really want to go in the office. I want to be over with this and went outside and, um, we have a Lily that was just happened to bloom that day, just happened. <laughs> and the bird was singing and we have a, a nest in our, one of our bird houses. And it was like, you know, it brought tears to my eyes. Cause I'm like, okay, God, I'll quit grumbling. And, you know, it made me thankful and it was just a little thing 
kind of like uh, uh, someone else was saying earlier, but it, it was just something that happened. And, you know, obviously I think the, the, as far as choosing to worship, it's for me, two things. One is making sure I stay in um, a spirit of gratitude because there are so many things to be grateful for, even during this sheltering in place. Um, but also, obviously, when we get together, I think for me, it's the, you know, the opportunity to see each one of you as an individual person with, uh, you know, talents and abilities that are just from God. And, you know, I can smile. And when I see Nicole and Melissa in their house, and when I see Drew and, uh, and Aaron and everyone looking here today that's participating. It's just an opportunity to praise God for the way that he's brought so many different ones of us together in, in the one, in the one body. And I can choose to say, God, you're so amazing because how did this happen that all these unique people were able to get together and see each other and, and uh, see the Freebensons in their backyard minus Emily and wonder why Cohen was visiting in your video during this time of social distancing. I'm like, okay, why was Cohen there? But, you know, and those just bring a smile. And it, it is, it's just an opportunity to praise God uh, because each one of you is so unique and, and so special. So that was Charlotte, not Cohen. Cohen's gray in the face now. He's an old man. Really? Okay. All right. It looked like Cohen. Yeah, they actually do look pretty similar, but Charlotte is very much her own woman. Yeah, Charlotte, Charlotte's way better than Collins. So let's get that out there. All right, any others on the when uh, worship happened to you, when you choose to work? Do you just have anything else from the Liturgist podcast that you'd like to bring up? That's great. You don't have to raise your hand, Chris. I think... <laughs> Okay. I'm just going to go. I think, yeah, I think I may be misunderstanding the last question about like, when does worship just happen to you? Cause I think what Miss Judy was talking about, like the spirit of gratitude, like, I guess, like, I'm like worship just happening to you without you like choosing to take on that spirit of gratitude. Like, I feel like that is necessary to recognize all the wonderful things around you, like going out and seeing that flower. I feel like so many of us could just walk by all the beautiful things um, and the blessings that like in our community that we need to be thankful for and that we should praise God for. So I guess I'm kind of confused on like how without being, without being intentional and without making like a conscious choice to be aware of, yeah, just of God's blessings, how we can just, how worship can just happen to us. I have a story I'm guessing that, I mean, again, I don't know if this is answering the question, but maybe it'll help you think about it, Clarissa, but I, I mean, this is such a, like a weird spiritual thing for me, but, uh, I went like on a vacation or something to Colorado with, a, uh, some friends and we were outside the Rocky stadium waiting for a baseball game. And there's a lot of homeless people in Denver. And so, um, but there is this particular man, it was hot. It was the summertime and there's lots of people lined up and there's this particular man who, um, he just, he was homeless. He was very thin. He had scarring. He was missing lots of fingers and toes. And he was just kind of like bumping into people. Um, I think just very meekly bumping into people and people were like ignoring him left and right. And, um, like, I was like, man, like I asked like our group, cause like nobody carries cash. I was like, does anyone 
have any money. And then we were able to scrounge together a couple bucks and we went over there and gave him a couple bucks and he like, just kind of nodded, you know, like, thank you. And, you know, a lot of times when you give money to homeless people, you just kind of think, man, I hope they don't go buy like booze with it. But he, we saw him purchase water. And I mean, I was just immediately caught off guard and like weeping. Like, I think I felt the way about this man that Jesus felt about him. And I think that was an opportunity for worship that happened to me. Like saw we saw the opportunity mm. as a group and engaged with it. And I had like a very deep, like visceral reaction. Um, and so, you know, like that's a moment where I felt like worship happened to me. Like I felt like we did so little, but I learned so much from this two minute interaction with this man and then choosing to worship. I think something I've thought about, at least for me and, you know, with you guys as college students is just being disciplined about, you know, things that don't take very much time, like prayer and reading scripture. Cause I don't really want to do those things naturally. Like I'd rather do anything else that's almost immediately gratifying, but being disciplined with yeah. the smaller acts of worship of just being in prayer and reading scripture. Like I never regret doing it, but I never feel like it. And so I think I do have to be obedient with just time, like the time that God has given to me to like steward it. So that's kind of what I was thinking. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That helps a lot. I had a couple thoughts. Um, one is like, I think I choose to worship. And this is me. This is not necessarily right. I think this may be a problem. But I choose to worship when I feel like I've depleted like all of my own abilities to handle something. So it's usually when I'm like pushed to the max with like grief or anxiety like those are the two feelings I think once I've like I, I'm out of my own ability to like rationalize my anxiety or process my grief so now I'm gonna like choose to worship God and align myself with like his spirit and the truth so I think that's maybe one of the few times I choose to worship. But when I, I like Shayla's answer about when worship happens to me, because I do think there have also been times, particularly when someone else is in that place of feeling very overwhelmed, not hearing God's voice, not feeling like they have any peace about something. Those are the times when I feel like I am most like kind of filled with the spirit and like, okay, we need to pray. Like let's, we need to talk to God and we need to we need to like speak scripture out loud and bring ourselves like back in line with what is true and what is holy and what is right and like fix our minds on those things. I also think just being honest, worship happens to me when I like go to church and we get to the part where we're singing songs and I'm like, oh, well, this is happening now. And so I guess I'll just be a part of this. And that's, I kind of just let that, like, I let myself just be taken into the flow of worship just through when it's scheduled as a group or as a church. I like that. I think is uh, that bad? Am I so bad? <laughs> <laughs> I've never experienced anything like that, Chelsea. <laughs> uh, as, looking at my experience, it seems like if I'm not choosing to worship for a season, like kind of like Shayla was saying with little things, then worship doesn't tend to happen to me hardly at all. But maybe the, it seems like maybe the more we choose to worship, the more it'll also kind of happen to us. Um, I think for me, worship, 
well, lately I've been, I, I was having a bad attitude with academics, like with school, um, being online and things like that. Um, but uh, I've been able to, well, like God has just been able to allow me to worship in regards to thinking about school, um, especially with like engineering stuff. Like I just never realized how vast the knowledge is and how beautiful you know, like the materials and structures and things like that. Um, so not, it's not like I'm choosing at the moment to worship, but just God has just been allowing me to do that. Um, but at church, I, like just kind of what Chelsea is saying, like that's the time that we're like, you realize like, oh, we're worshiping today. And yeah, that's all I have to say. Awesome. Yeah, a couple final thoughts and then we're going to close. It was great to hear from Quincy's forehead. <laughs> Sorry. I don't want to show my whole face. <laughs> Quincy, you are beautiful. I look rough, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least he's trying. All these other people out here that won't even show us their video. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll, we'll close off with, the, with that. Um, take some time this week in your... Uh, busyness or or boredom, whichever one fits your scenario, and uh, and really ask God uh, to show you something uh, about worship that you need to see, um, uh, or a practice that you need to to engage in, and just ask Him throughout the week. Uh, not necessarily trying to force anything, um, you know, but just uh, just ask that question, Spirit, to guide you in worship. Uh, this week to learn something or to uh, experience something uh, that he wants you to uh, uh, to see or grow in or whatever else. So uh, with that, we're going to end. And uh, thank you again. Next week, nothing to prepare for. Just the uh, awe stuff. You're welcome to look through. You'll choose your group. When we, we come together, we'll do breakout uh, rooms and we'll assign you based on what you, uh, you want to choose. Uh, all right, guys. Well, you're always welcome to stick around, hang out a little bit, talk if you feel the need to do so and want to or should. Uh, but uh, we are done this morning. Thank you for coming. And uh, we will see you again in a week or for some of you small groups uh, this week. So see ya. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.